Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Foursquare is more than a game for the playground. It is an effective communication tool used to provide concise information about a project or task. In this episode, we'll dive into the Foursquare report looking at what it is, how to create one, and how to use it. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Uh, Not too awful much. I've got some interesting things that may be coming up in regards to my career. I'm trying to navigate those right now and I can't really talk about it yet. But yeah, things are, things are reasonable. You know, went to Dallas last week. Yeah, that was, that was a, that was a good trip. You know, nothing much to report there. Just, you know, team building and et cetera. So how about you? Well, I have been fighting Zencaster recently. Yeah. If anyone has a better option for recording podcasts, we are uh, all ears and microphones. Yeah. Yeah. We've been with Zencaster since they were in beta and it's just progressively gotten worse over the last couple of years, but about two years. Yeah. And, you know, we, we want to support them, but it's gotten to the point where it's just not like we're, we're looking for other options. And so, yeah, we're fighting that, uh, having to deal with it. Like we just like it's one thing after another with them. And so we're looking for better solutions for for recording and stuff, because all we use it for is to, you know, record distance. And like it, the thing that's nice, it records in the browser and then uploads it. So we don't have to have like special software or anything. We can have guests on and stuff like that, though we haven't done that in a hot minute either. Also, I'm getting ready. I leave for Albania on, on Monday. So less than a week away till uh, till I fly out, leaving on a jet plane. I'd say I don't know when I'll be back again, but I actually know exactly when I'll be back again. So, but yeah, excited about that trip. Looking forward to it. Getting the last uh, the last stuff together, cleaned out a few things, and took them up to. Um, so there's a store here in Nashville called McKay's that buys DVDs, records, music, games whatever, you know. And so I just, I took a big box of stuff up there just to get some extra spending money while I'm on the trip. That was fun. Had dinner with Will last night too. So that was, that was cool. But yeah, so getting ready for that trip. Uh, looking forward to, uh, to going to Albania. And then uh, on the way back, I'm going to, uh, had a full day layover in London. And it was pointed out that I could uh, take the channel to Paris. And I realized, hey, Julian and his team are in Paris. So our editors are there. And so I'm going to, uh, to take that last day that I'm in Europe and go to, uh, to Paris and uh, meet them for the first time in person. Uh, that'll be, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be really cool. But then uh, also, it's just really, really fun to tell people that I'm meeting my editor in Paris. It just, I, I feel like I sound so... It's bragging rights. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it, it really is. And so, uh, so yeah, 
But uh, no, I just want to shout out to uh, to Julian and Podcast Edition. They do a great job. Yeah, they really do. Editing our, our show and stuff. And like, if there's ever any problems, it's pretty much on our end. Uh, yeah, or so it's like, usually Zencaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, it pretty much is usually Zencaster that we we've had the problem with. So, but uh, sometimes yeah. it's Microsoft, but most of the time it's Zencaster. Sometimes it's Apple, but uh, even yeah, then. yeah, very very rarely is it Apple, but sometimes. So, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's been really cool. Saving money is hard, especially when you fly all over the place. That's true, but I'm taking a train to Paris. That's true from London. That's going to be an interesting experience. Lucas Casadas is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us at Complete Developer Podcast, he focuses on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but also to take action on that plan so that you can live your best life. Guys, investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. With the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. And one of the really nice things about working with Lucas is he is a fiduciary for his clients. What that means is he's not trying to sell you a product, but his role is to guide you to a better financial situation. And speaking of guidance, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably face, and he interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. And you can learn even more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. Effective communication is vital aspect of any organization or team success. And one tool that has been proven to be very useful is the Foursquare Report. This report is a simple and effective way to communicate information about a project or task to a team, stakeholders, management, even C-level managers. It was originally developed by the U.S. military to help soldiers communicate critical information in a clear and concise manner and has since been adopted by a lot of different organizations and industries. Foursquare reports originated from the construction industry and have since been adapted to fit the needs of software development teams. The reports are based on the idea of breaking down progress and issues into four categories, achievements, roadblocks, plans, and risks. By providing updates on these four areas, the entire team can quickly understand what has been accomplished, what challenges are being faced, what the plans are moving forward, and what potential risks may arise. Now, I noticed something here that says it came out of the military, but then it's like it originated from the construction industry. Yeah, ChatGPT doesn't know where it came from. As, so it filtered through is what I would imagine, you know. And, uh, yeah. Because, like, you also have to look at, you know, in the post-war era, because this probably came out of World War II, if I had to place a bet, because, like, lots of stuff did. There was a huge, huge construction boom right after that. And so people were scrambling, trying to get stuff to work in that context. And so it probably went through both of those things. Well, if I if I understand correctly just from the research I did and then a lot of stuff I, I got from ChatGPT and had it compile things for me. But uh, it was originally like the military started it and then it was refined to what it is now through the construction industry. So pretty much. The, the effectiveness of 
Foursquare reports lies in their simplicity and clarity. They are quick to create and easy to read, making them ideal for agile development teams that need to keep pace with fast-moving projects. Also, by regularly updating the reports, everyone on the team can stay up to date on progress and potential issues, allowing for early identification and resolution of problems. In this episode, we will discuss what the Foursquare report is and how it works, the benefits of using this report, when it should be used, and how to create an effective Foursquare report. We'll also discuss some examples of how this report has been used successfully in different industries and situations. Yeah, and so what Will talked about earlier, the four categories, those are the ones that are typically used in software development environments. But there are several other use cases for Foursquare reports. So those categories vary based on the environment where it's used. And when we talk about it, we'll we'll kind of briefly mention those. But I just wanted to throw that out there because if you've heard of these and they used a different set of categories, or if throughout this we mention a different set, that's why why is because they are used different in different places. So let's talk about what is the Foursquare report. Fundamentally, it's a communication tool used to convey critical information about a project or task. As we've discussed, it consists of four sections based on the use case of the report. So in agile development, those typically are achievements, roadblocks, plans, and risks. It could also be situation, background, assessment, and recommendation. Another one, one that's used in medicine a lot is uh, SOAP, which is subjective, objective, uh, symptoms, and then assessment and plan. So it's, how's the patient feeling? What can you observe? Like, oh, they're running a fever, stuff like that. What is your assessment of the situation? And what is the treatment plan? Like, what's the diagnosis and what's the treatment? Yeah, and that is used all throughout medicine. To for patient care. And it's a very quick, simple way to do that. Just an, another example of where these are used to quickly pass on information. They actually have uh, nursing reports that have stickers. When I was at the hospital, we were doing paper charting back before electronic charting, like way overcomplicated the process. Seriously, it went from, hey, I need to do my charting. I can get all the pertinent information I need to get for this patient's care. I got like a commendation on my charting back then. I could do it all in about 30 minutes for 10 patients to I had three patients and it took me two hours. Yeah, because the MBAs get involved. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's just a little <laughs> like side, not related to software development-ish rant. Yeah, I, I could design better medical reporting software, but that's just me. Just from my my personal experience, over 10 years ago, I'm like, oh, hopefully it's gotten better. I haven't, I haven't been in the industry in a while, but yeah. Yeah, well, so the report was originally developed by the U.S. military and has been adopted by many industries and organizations. I think the military reads of this are kind of one of the things that probably you know, drove its development uh, you know, quite a bit, just in terms of, hey, we've got to say, you know, like I've, I read fairly frequently I read the Russian Ministry of Defense reports when those come out uh, you know the ones that are that are public and they're very much like this it's like here's what our achievements were here's what here's what the risks were or you know here's what's blocking us uh, you know to the extent that they're going to tell civilians that 
Um, and so it's, it's, you know, it's a set of tactics that was kind of developed in a war zone with, Hey, we've got to move quick and we've got to have distributed decision-making because, you know, you, you can't do top down, uh, very well. And so it's important to kind of remember that. And that is probably the way that your agile team is supposed to be structured. It's likely not how it's actually structured, but it's what it's supposed to be. Well, the idea is that the report helps you to organize really complex information into a simple, easy-to-understand format. So let's talk about how it works in practice. The report is divided into four sections, um, and the set that we're going to use is achievements, roadblocks, plans, and risks. So this particular set is really useful for passing information up the chain. So, you know, if you're you're writing a report, like I know we've recently got, in, got into these and our scrum master does them and then our managers do them for a larger group and then like it sort of goes up the chain that way. So that's sort of why we're, we're talking about this one because it's the one that I'm a little bit familiar with. The achievement section outlines what has been accomplished so far in the project or task that you're working on. So like at the the small scale, it might be, all right, here's here's our sprint. Let's say we're doing a, a scrum type thing. Here's our sprint. This It could be, here's what we've accomplished in the sprint so far. And then you get a larger report, like a higher up or more broad overview. Here's what's been going on in the project. Here's the things that we've gotten done so far is what the achievements section is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting too, because they, you know, they talk about the roadblocks section. That's the next section. Um, that identifies any obstacles or challenges that have been encountered. And this is going to sound really familiar to you from your, you know, like your scrum stand-up meetings, right? Because the first three sections on this chart are basically what you discuss in there. And then the the last section is is what the project manager has to add when they talk to management. Now, the the next one is the plan section. And this outlines what's coming up. The future steps and strategies for achieving the project goal. So it's like, what we've done, what's holding us back from continuing or what's causing problems, here's where we plan to go. That could include how we're going to get past those roadblocks as well as the next features, things like that, that we're going to build. And then the risks section identifies potential issues that may arise and suggests ways to mitigate them. You know, again, like this is, this is really similar to like a, a standup except for that section. And the thing is, is during your standups, a lot of times the risks come up, but it's not a known, it's not like a fixed yeah. thing. Yeah, that's, that's very true. At, uh, at a standup, you do sort of a very small scale version of this. So it's like for an individual, for the specific stories or tasks that you're working on. And that's the thing about this is this is a thing that can scale from like it, it's very scalable from the individual level up to the organization level because it's, like it's a report. It's not the information that scales. It's the, the report itself. Yeah. I mean, you can think of, you know, this going to management as being an aggregation of what the developers put out yeah. and, and the risks, you know, are an aggregate. They don't, they don't exist at the individual developer level necessarily. It's the interaction of those parts that creates the risk. Well, that's, that's what say like a scrum master does is they get the information at the standup and then they compile that report. They send it up to their level manager. That manager takes all the teams and creates one 
that goes up to higher management and just sort of, you know, snowballs up. Well, I guess funnels up because it would be getting like fewer reports the higher you get, but more broad information. So, so now let's talk about some of the benefits of using the Foursquare reports. Some of these we've already talked about, but the report helps to organize complex information in a way that is easy to understand. Yeah, and it also encourages critical thinking and analysis of the project or task. So, I mean, part of the deal here, too, is to provide a structure that people can put the data into and make sure they get all the pieces they need quickly and then they go back to work. Yeah. The Foursquare report can be used to communicate with stakeholders or team members who may have different levels of knowledge or expertise on the project or task because, you know, they may see something and not realize that it's actually a roadblock. But you put it in the roadblock section, they know, hey, that that's actually a roadblock. That's a problem. Or that's a risk. Or this is the plan. Okay, I don't I may not understand the coding stuff, but I know we've got a plan to deal with this. Right. The report can be used to identify potential risks and opportunities and develop strategies to mitigate or take advantage of them as well. And also it can be used to create a shared understanding and vision for the project or task. Because a lot of times, like you get the the users, the stakeholders thinking this is one like thinking one thing. You've got sales thinking another thing, management thinking something else, your business analyst is trying to like figure out what they're thinking. And then you got developers way over here going thinking about it in a completely different level because they're thinking about the implementation details on how they'll make things work. And so this can kind of bring all of that together and give this sort of unified vision of what it is you're actually building. Well, and you can also show it to the people that you're reporting on. Yeah. And go, hey, is this is this an accurate summary that you would give to management without the implementation details in it? So let's talk about when you would actually use the Foursquare report. Foursquare report can be used in a pretty wide variety of situations, uh, including project management, risk management, and strategic planning. And a lot of times, uh, you know, this kind of thing is is also very useful when your managerial level above the team is disconnected from the team. Like it's not, you know, they're daily enmeshed in it. It's like they just need kind of a rough idea of what's going on. Yeah. And it's it's a great thing that can be passed up. And that, that's what's nice about it is like it can be started at the team level and it can help the team stay like understand what's going on with each other and stuff like that. Then that aggregate gets passed up to a manager who maybe oversees two or three teams on the like at the same company, even on working on the same project. And then from there, it can go up to higher levels and higher levels. Yeah. And the structure kind of facilitates that, right? Because it's, right. it's sort of like a group by clause in SQL it has to kind of be on the same structure for a grouping to work. Right. And this makes it easier for the person aggregating that to do so without having to constantly circle back to the rest of the team, which kind of goes back to the whole military aspect because they may not be able to. They're in the middle of something else. Yeah. And that's why it's, it, uh, that's why the structure emerged. And I think it would work pretty well for agile teams. I've, I think, honestly, on most of the teams I've worked on, has been some variant of this. We just didn't call it that. It was just, here's our update. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been sort of ingrained into a lot of different things that 
it may not really be called that, but it has a name. Yeah. The other thing is the report is particularly useful when dealing with complex or sensitive information, but it still needs to be communicated clearly and effectively. So we've kind of like talked around that, but it that is one of the really big benefits of these reports is you can take that minutia detail from the developer level and compile it and make it take out a lot of the minutia and just be like, hey, here's here's what we achieved. We built this. Here's what is blocking us. It's, you know, we need to buy this software. We need to bring in a designer. We need this or that. And you can you can take those individual reports and compile them into that. And then it goes a level up and can be, all right, well, I've got three teams saying that they need something to do this. We we really should put someone on either like building it or buying a solution for this. Right. Like if they're all if they're all saying, hey, we need a designer or we need a design system, you know, maybe we need to find somebody that does that for these three teams. And yeah, you know, it, like that that isn't something that you can say, oh, we can justify a designer at the individual team level. But maybe when you got three teams that needs one, now you've got a full time job available for somebody. And so you kind of see how it's additive as it as it rolls up. So we've kind of talked about this a little bit um, for one particular use case, but uh, now we're going to go into how to use a Foursquare report or sort of how to fill one out, I guess would be a better way of putting it. But you want to start by brainstorming and identifying the top four most important aspects of the project or decision you're analyzing. And again, uh, we went with the achievements, roadblock, blocks, plans, and risks as sort of a default for development. But these can be, I mentioned the SOAP notes from medicine, situation background assessment recommendation uh, is another one. There's a lot of different sort of templates that you can use, or you can create your own based on the particular need that you have. It just, remember, it's got to be scalable to go from the individual developer level all the way up to top management and build on that. That's why these templates work so well is they are designed to do that. Yeah, and I do wonder what it would look like in other adjacent categories. So like, let's say you had a design team and you're building a you know a really big app, obviously. What are their categories? Is it going to be the same Yeah, as a, as a developer? What if it's DevOps? Or a security team would be a great example of that. Well, do they have an achievement? Well, yeah, we didn't get hacked. It's like a negative achievement. Yeah. You know, so they probably are going to structure that very, very differently. Right. So they may they may have more like the situation background assessment recommendation. Right. Type where it's like, here's here's a situation we're in. Here's the background behind that. Here is the assessment of it. And here's what we recommend going forward. Right. So yeah, yeah, depending on what your need is. The ones that we chose obviously were for software development, but depending on even your software development team, you may have a different set of categories. Yeah, and there there may also be things that are specific for mm-hmm. a set of goals that's a short term yeah. right. thing too. Like if you're doing a major integration, like that's going to feel different than building a product. Yes, when you make a four square yeah. report. So it's just something to kind of bear in mind. 
But once you do have these kind of laid out, then you fill out each of the four quadrants with information about each aspect. Yeah. You know, once those are agreed upon. Yeah. No. Uh, agreed upon or compiled, depending on how you're doing it. If you're if you're taking, like, let's say you're a scrum master and you're submitting a report based on where your team is at the end of a sprint, for example. Well, like from their reports, you would compile them into that one report you would send up for the team. So, I mean, like, it's almost like there's two sides to this, right? Like, there's the input side of, like, how do I get this, the data from the, the team? And then how do I present that data to somebody else? There may yes. be an intermediary step to translate that. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. yeah. That is a whole course on how to do that that I don't even know how to teach. I just do it, you know? So use the report to compare and contrast the different aspects, identifying strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So a SWOT report. Yeah. I've seen plenty of those in like large corporate type environments that had nothing to do with the development side. Yeah. And then you, you use that report to make informed decisions and develop plans of action that take into account all four aspects of the project, right? Because if you're not actually doing something with the information you're actually losing by collecting it. So now that we've talked about how to use the Foursquare report, we're going to look at tips for using these effectively. And the first one is make sure to identify the most important aspects of the project before filling out the report. You know, that's that's step one. And we kind of dove into the reasons behind that already. But like, it's really important that, you know, if you're a a securities or DevOps team, the achievements, roadblocks, plans, and risks may not really make sense. Those might not be the most important things for you. I would suggest having at some point either some type of plans or assessment and some type of recommendation. Like, here's what we have going forward. So situation as it is, and if you an interpretation of that and then a plan going forward, depending on like where you are and what what it is you're reporting on. Right. And there may not be a plan going forward. Yeah. Because it, it could also be a thing of, hey, yo, dog, we don't have a plan after this. That could be a risk because we're just off the map. Yeah and, yeah. and that happens. That does. And mergers and acquisitions is a great place for it to happen because everybody's looking at something else. Just just a, an aside to throw in there. You also have to be careful and be thorough and objective when you fill out each quadrant, taking into account both the positive and negative aspects of each. So you need to have somebody that's on a fairly even keel. You don't want some Pollyanna and you don't want, what was the one that was told about all the things that were going to go wrong but couldn't fix it? Cassandra. You don't want Cassandra and Pollyanna filling this out. You need somebody that's just kind of middle of the road. No. You know, here's the facts. When you're using the report, this is a tool for discussion and collaboration with team members, stakeholders, or even decision makers. Like, it's not the end all be all. It's not like, oh, hey, this is, yeah, this is the plan. This is the thing. No, this is a tool for coming up with that. This is a, a tool for creating that discussion and having that discussion. And it, it shouldn't ever be, hey, like, we have to stop working so we can fill this out. We have to, like, that's not what it's for. It is for like helping work, like making it better, not for making it 
worse. And if it becomes that, then you're using it wrong. Yeah. And it's also not really a reporting tool. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want to go, oh, here's the four square report from last month versus this month. Let's do a sentiment analysis between those two. That's if you start doing that, the the reporting aspect of this is going to get in the way of you actually getting work done. Right. All right. Yeah. And and you really want to keep the report concise and easy to understand, focusing on key information and insights. So you shouldn't be like trying to pad this out, for instance, to go, oh, we achieved a whole lot more because we you know, made, made it into a huge list when it's actually one thing. No. Use the reports to prioritize and allocate resources, focusing on areas that are high importance and high potential for success. So again, this is designed to be a tool to start these discussions. It's not the, the final say. It's not the decision maker. It's not like the authoritative piece. Oh, hey, the Foursquare report says this, so we got to do it. No, it's a tool to start making those decisions. Yeah, I mean, it's really the same thing, that, the same role that a stand-up serves, right? Yeah. Like if, if, you know, what people say in stand-up is related to whether or not they get a pay increase, you're going to have some idiots talking in your stand-up for a long time. And you're going to derail the team because that's not what it's for. You're misusing the tool. You should revisit the report regularly throughout the project or decision-making process, updating it as needed and using it to guide next steps. So in other words, it's a living document, Mm -hmm. not a report, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well... They call it a report, but it's... Yeah, it's it's more of a snapshot of where the project... Yeah. It is. And that, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's a snapshot of the, the project as it is at this per current point with ideas of where it could be and where it has been. The thing is, like, what you may need to update is the quadrants in the report based on, hey, we've, you know, we've, we've wrapped this up, but we, like, we've wrapped up development, but we're still doing some DevOps stuff on it, things like that. Well, we may need to switch to a different type of report. And also use it as a learning tool. You know, looking back at what worked well, what could have been improved. I mean, this is a really great tool to use for your retrospectives when you're going back because it will have, hey, here's what the risk was. Here's what our roadblocks were when we tried this. Here's what the risks we saw. Here's how we tried, like, and then the next one is what we tried to do to fix it and whether or not that worked. Or if it caused more roadblocks. And you like you can learn from that. You can learn from everything, but definitely use this to learn and guide yourself as a developer, as a leader, and also your team. So some examples of when to use the Foursquare report. So for instance, if you're developing a marketing campaign for a new product, considering the product features, target audience, budget, and competition. Right. So you're gonna be kind of wanting to keep a you know a finger on the pulse of all those things as you're going forward. Uh, Another one is evaluating potential business expansion opportunities. With that, your quadrants may be market demand, financial feasibility, legal regulations, and organizational capabilities. We were actually talking about some of those things the other night when we we were having dinner just on plans that we have. Yeah. For, uh, for what we're going to do with the the podcast and other stuff. Yeah. And you, you might also use the Foursquare report on 
developing a software development project. This is considering stuff like user experience, technical requirements, development timeline, and cost. Um, and, and by the way, those things change as your project goes on, right? Like you build a new product, your users don't have any experience using it. And so like that, that's a legitimate thing that you kind of want to track as you're going. Now we, uh, we're doing this with the, the project that I'm working on where it's brand new for the users and they're very excited about it. It's actually really fun to have users so excited about a project that you're building because it's, it's for internal uses. So like, we get to literally talk to the people who are using it. And uh, it's it's been fascinating to find out now that they're in there actually using it, they come back with, hey, would it be possible to get it to do this? Or how do we do that with it? And it's just things that you didn't think about at the outset because it's it's a brand new thing. Yeah, and it's also kind of weird too because your software will shape the way that your users talk about stuff. And there's this, there's almost like a, a three body problem there. No, and because you're there. The business process, especially for an internal application, because that's what, what this is. The business process shapes the development that shapes the application. But then when they have the application, that actually changes their business process. Right. And then it feeds back into you and you're like, crap, we just created a bunch of work for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just kind of important to note that that changes over time and, you know, the cost and the technical requirements are going to go with those. Right. And then the timeline, well, development timelines are what they are. You know, <laughs> they're theoretical, not actual most of the time. The next one is planning a research project. With this, you want to look at things like, research questions, data collection methods, ethical considerations, and potential impact. It, it's interesting because you and I have both done this stuff in school, and I didn't create a four-square report, but I looked at all four of these categories. Yeah, because you have to. And the, you know, the final example might be developing a strategic plan for an organization, considering things like mission and values, organizational strengths and weaknesses, opportunities and threats, and action steps moving forward. So guys, the Foursquare report is a versatile tool that can be used in a variety of situations to help with decision-making and project planning. Uh, By considering these four key aspects of a project or decision and filling out a simple visual report, you can gain valuable insights and make very informed choices. Remember to identify the most important aspects be thorough and objective, use the report for collaboration, and go back over it on a regular basis. By using the Foursquare report effectively, you can increase the chances of success for your projects, your decisions, and learn valuable lessons for the future. That's pretty much all we've got. We'll catch you guys next week. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. 
You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.